Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan. I am pretty darn excited on Mondays. Always on Mondays I get to talk quilting and I have four people today. First I'm going to be talking here with Marsha Harmoning and she is of Happy Stash Quilting, which I think is the best name ever for I mean like everybody thinks like why didn't I think that name up? That's a great name. She's an author, she's a teacher, uh, she's a, a contributor to the American Patchwork and Quilting uh, magazine uh, many many times. So Marsha I am I'm so happy that I fit into your schedule. Oh, thank you for having me, Pat. I really appreciate it. Okay, so how did you become the most brilliant person to get happy stash quilts? (laughs) You know, uh, when I lived in Alaska, all my girlfriends would come over to the house to quilt, and every time they were going through my cabinets, they're like, you have the happiest stash of fabric. And uh, it just kind of stuck, and uh, that's how I wound up with happy stash. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that is, it is just the best name. Um, you know, when we were writing in advance, you told me, oh, you know, you you use really lovely bright fabrics because you spent 23 winters in Alaska. So um, what were you doing in Alaska for 23 winters exactly? <laughs> oh, well, I ended up chasing my husband until he caught me. Um, and, and they ended up moving up to Alaska after college and we had, a had our three children there and raised them. So we were up there from, for work, but wow, wow what a fa- fabulous place to raise kids. And, uh, when you're young, but as we get a little older, we decided <laughs> to move to Reno and, um, embrace a little su- more sunshine during the winters. Oh my goodness. That's a huge change. So has your, okay, so this is like, we haven't even really talked your quilting yet, but has it changed when you went from two entirely different kinds of lifestyles, environments? No, not at all. Because actually I've been dragging all my girlfriends that quilt with me in Alaska. I've already drugged three of them down to Reno and they have uh, retired and moved here as well. And, uh, so, no, quilting goes on. In fact, I just keep bringing them on down here. And uh, <laughs> it's yeah, been no, uncanny. We, we never would have guessed that we'd all end up down in Reno. No, uh, that is so funny. So when you first started quilting, were you quilting before you went to Alaska? No, I actually started when I was up there. I'm one of those rare people that quilts that I never even threaded a sewing machine until I was in my 20s. Mm. So I kind of come at it from a um, a newbie standpoint back in my 20s, and uh, I just decided to make a quilt and because uh, I thought they were so pretty, and I went to a community schools event, and all these ladies met me in the parking lot and drug all my stuff in and set it up for a, my very first quilt retreat, and that is the start of a beautiful thing in life because they were just instant girlfriends. It's quilting is magical that way. Uh, it's yeah. just such a sisterhood. I know. I always tell people it doesn't matter who you meet. We speak the same language because we speak quilts. <laughs> you know exactly. 
So I want to talk a little bit about your style because you have, um, you know, contributed many times to the magazine, both Patchwork and Applique. Uh, your quotes have been on the cover. Uh, one of the the pieces that is on my personal list uh, to re to make because you know I do actually make things from other people a lot uh, because I love them is the, uh, the table runner, the point set, a table runner, which is an applique because I love applique. Um, do you have a preferred method? Are you more applique, more patchwork, or do you mix it up a lot? I actually mix it up an awful lot. People always try to ask me, what's your style? And I finally have decided it's just the bright saturated colors. I think that 23 dark winters in Alaska really made me gravitate towards trying to grab summer. I always envision the bright hanging baskets that hang all over Alaska in the summer, and that's what I always try to recreate in uh, the quilts that I make. So what, I love your applique style, the very scrolly sort of part of it. What is that inspired by? Well, when I was a kid growing up, both my mom and my dad painted a lot of the Norwegian rosemalling style, my mom with oils and my dad with acrylics, and that look of the Norwegian or the Scandinavian folk art has just stuck with me. And um, and another reason I really like it is that it's either reflective symmetry or radial symmetry, and I'm one of those weird quilters that actually has a math brain more than the artistic uh, drawing brain and just that symmetry just really sings to me yeah this particular piece it has the center and then the vines going out and the berries and the leaves it is very symmetrical as it's a table runner it's just it's beautiful and your colors are gorgeous um i don't remember what year that was done but it's always been on my on my list uh what technique do you like to use, Marsha, for applique? I have a couple things. One, I do enjoy needle turn applique, but if I'm doing chunkier pieces of applique Mm -hmm. that are more than an inch in diameter or larger, I like Mm -hmm. to use a technique that I call flip and fuse applique. And what I do there is um, use a lightweight fusible interfacing and uh, sew it to fabric and then turn the whole unit inside out to Mm -hmm. create that shape. And what that does is it turns all of the raw edges under for your applique and makes it so you can just iron the piece straight onto the background of the quilt. So you don't have any needle turn or, you know, any handwork because you can then sew those pieces down by machine with them being held in place with that lightweight glue. So I have a question on that because I'm always mm-hmm. curious how everybody who does that, te- you know, that similar techniques handles this. You know, when you when you flip it and you've got the underside, which might be a totally different color, like you might have a red flower and a white interfacing. You know, how do you be sure that that's all tucked under and you're not seeing it on the edge, you know, like right around the edge? That is a very good question. And the number one thing that helps is uh, to – Try to make your slit in the interfacing for where you're going to turn the, in, the unit inside out. Make sure that that slit isn't too big because if you cut all the way to the edges, then the interfacing kind of softens and then it mm. wants to show around the edges. But if you keep the slit fairly small and flip the unit inside out, it really holds the uh, integrity of the interfacing and, uh, and helps just tuck that right underneath. Ah, that's a good tip because I think you can get carried away or just like doing other stuff and you just like snip, snip, snip and you're like, 
you've made it too loose is what you're saying. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you have a whole book on this. So people who are really interested in trying uh, quilts that you, they'll be successful with this because you designed everything in there to be easy to do with this technique. That's correct. Yeah. And what's the name of that book again? Uh, that one is Flip and Fuse Quilts, um, and that's with CNT Publishing. Okay, super cool. Well, I want to talk about a couple of other of your projects um, because you've recently done some applique that uh, depict um, firemen and police officers. What has been the response? These are sort of like a silhouette, right? Correct, and I put them on an ombre fabric in the background, mm-hmm. um, and the two are the firefighter one, and that was inspired by two things. One, my son just recently graduated from the fire academy to be a fireman oh. himself, and mm-hmm. also my parents had almost lost their home in the Butte fire over in California a couple years ago, and I just really wanted to have a way to thank firefighters, and this quilt, it goes together very quickly because there's only six large pieces and it's just raw edge fusible and makes Mm -hmm. a wall hanging and so that quilt goes together very quickly and I've been surprised at the response when I had it at Houston International Quilt Market I actually had a couple ladies come over one lady uh, just started crying because she had lost her brother in the World uh, Trade Center on Mm 9-11 and uh, there's something about these quilts with the firefighters and the police officers that really evokes an emotional response. And, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, if you have just a second, I was uh, mm-hmm. just down in Las Vegas this weekend, and mm-hmm. uh, the gals down there, uh, and I was over in Vacaville, California, in the wine country, and with two of these phenomenal guilds. And mm-hmm. they're planning to make these quilts to thank all the firefighters in the uh, North Bay uh, fires that are currently going on in California. Wow. How big are they, those pieces? Are they wall hangings, or are they... Big yeah. quilts. They're just 26-inch square. And oh, okay. the, uh, the police officer's been very popular, and coming out here in a little while will be a sheriff's one as well. Oh, yeah, they are. They think it's the graphic element of them, um, you know, the, the, with the silhouette. It's just, they're, they're just really quite nice. Um, you did a good job with those. So how often oh, do you teach? You. Oh, I try to teach... Um, I accept about one or two teaching gigs, I guess you'd call it, um, a month with guilds, and I travel around for those. I try to not overbook myself because I still need to have time to play in my studio here at home. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. That's true. And and uh, do, you, do you put a schedule out? Actually, I just uh, I do not have a schedule on my website. People just mm-hmm. call or they email. A lot of guilds do and just say, hey, what does your schedule look like? We're looking at the following three months um, where we need a speaker or a class taught and uh, ask if I could come up. And we just kind of – it works better to just kind of coordinate the calendars in yeah. person and make things happen. Yeah, that that's uh, that's the way a lot of people do it. Just contact me. We'll see what we can work out. Um, what's coming up? What are you working on now? Um, you have the one, the sheriff one. What else are you working on? Oh, well, actually, I have about 20 different quilts that I finished making this year and got back from the quilter. And I'm getting ready to go into full-blown mode of all kinds of quilts. <laughs> so ah. 
There'll, there'll be a whole bunch of them coming out, and it is a combination. There is some applique. There's some piecing. There's uh, just a lot of different styles uh, that will be coming out. But I've been playing hardcore, so now I'm ready to start. Now I get to sit down and do more of the writing and photography and actually produce and um, get, the, it's, get the patterns in print and ready to go. It is fun to have some solid time to create because you really do get on a roll, don't you? Oh, yes. I yeah. just I have a stack of about 50 more quilts that I can't wait to make. <laughs> Some I already have fabric for, but I just design all the time. It is so fun. And uh and then when you're ready to make quilts, then you get the second joy of got the design. Now I get to go yep. put fabric with it. Well, Marsha, this has been so great. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Pat. We'll be right back. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Join the One Million Pillowcase Challenge in March for the Ultimate Pillowcase Competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the Ultimate Pillowcase Champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information. Quilt Along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual Quilt Along by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one-block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quiltalong for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest. To find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more, visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. Our show is brought to you by Moda Fabrics, uh, and they are getting ready right now to bring out a whole bunch of new lines. And so you're going to have to follow them over on Instagram um, next week when they start setting up for the trade show. It's a lot of fun. Okay, when I first saw the website called Quilted Blooms, I knew I was going to love Paige Alexander. Her um, style is so wonderful, and she shares really a lot of her process, which I find great because I love to see and know how other people think. So Paige, I am really glad you're here. Thanks, Pat. It's wonderful to be here. You know, tell me a little bit how you got it got started. Were, did you always sew, I mean, since you were a little kid? Well, I learned the basics of sewing from my paternal grandmother. She was an excellent seamstress and all around do-it-yourselfer. So from watching her, I have a crafty sewing background and also took home economics in high school. And while everyone else was 
still um, learning how to put in a zipper. I was sewing on my second jumper. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You, you already had Grandma there who gave you all the details, right? You had the a head start. Yeah, I didn't have a DIY Grandma. I didn't even have ones that sewed. So I'm always jealous of you uh, people that had that opportunity. Um, did she quilt? Did your grandmother quilt? Well, as a matter of fact, quilted many, many years ago, but when I came along, she had already stopped quilting. And oh. so, um, but later my mom gave me a quilt top and she said, grandmother made this and I want you to have it. And I was like, well, when did she make it? And she said, well, mm-hmm. she told me a story, but I forgot. Oh. And so, so that's important to document your quilts. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I know. It's so hard and nobody thinks. And then they write like, like, you know, they would write two page from grandma, you know, like then nobody knows like, well, which grandma did this? You know, it's right. like, <laughs> so did you make um, your first quilt for anybody in particular? Well, let's see. I made my first quilt when I was actually in college and I made it for my favorite aunt who was expecting her first child. And oh. I don't remember having a pattern or anything, mm-hmm. but I drew out the um, the sketch on notebook paper, and I colored it in with various highlighters. You know, think pink, <laughs> pastel, yellow, pink, and green. Uh huh. I didn't have any idea about binding or anything. I remember putting eyelet trim because I had put that on a pillow before. So that's mm-hmm. how I put it put it together. So that was my first quilt. I love hearing first quilt stories because they're just uh, everybody's so creative. You know, you just the what you know you just don't have any clue. You just do whatever. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk about some of the things that you share because I love how you share your process. I think that that really helps so many people and draws 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 me to to a writer a quilter when I get a little peek into what they're doing one of the things that you wrote about was that you love challenges tell me why well at the one of the very first guild meetings that I attended now this is a traditional guild they Mm -hmm. were revealing their challenge quilts that were in conjunction with their quilt show and I just remember being in awe of how each person used the fabric in such you know, clever ways. Mm-hmm. So ever since, I've just been hooked on challenges, whether it's a fabric challenge or a theme challenge. And I think participating in a challenge also encourages you to maybe get out of your comfort zone and mm-hmm. gives you the opportunity to work maybe with a color scheme or try a new technique or something like that. So that's the reason I love challenges. Yeah, it does push you a little bit if you sort of embrace it because you might be going like, I don't know what to do with that. But then when you think about it, all of a sudden little sparks happen, don't they? Yeah, it finally clicks and you figure out what to do. But that might take a while, though. Right? (laughs) No, no, don't tell people that. Uh, It just (laughs) happens instantly. Uh, Now, (laughs) what I also like, Paige, is that you're – work your quilts are I would call it like grounded in what anybody can identify as a quilt block but then you take those and you really expand them and make them very page you know very you um tell me about your grandma's legacy quilt because that's a, sort of an important piece for you yes it is one of my favorite quilts and I actually made it it was made for a a, a challenge and the theme of the um, the challenge was Journal of Life. And the quilt had to include the Tree of Life quilt block, 
and some applique in some way. So what I did was I pieced four Tree of Life blocks as my background in more like muted colors and mm -hmm. then applique all the flowers that I had transplanted from my grandmother's garden in Mississippi to mine in South Carolina. So that's the reason it's a very special quilt to me. Oh, my gosh. And you transplanted all the flowers? It, sometimes she would bring them to me, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was like wow. iris and hydrangea and daylilies and um, different ones that she yeah. had given me. And so I'm so glad I have those today. That is wonderful. I wish I wish I had a hydrangea bush that my grandmother had. It was kind of massive, but I would have tried to move it. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> and I that's... think about um, I think about her all the time. You know, when I see the different things in bloom and, and in the different seasons, so it's mm -hmm. just wonderful memory. And you also have have entered your challenges into contests. You know, like you get a challenge, you make it, and then then you like it enough to enter it. I have. In addition to entering um, local shows, I've also entered a few pieces, um, or they have been juried into QuiltCons, the Modern Quilt Guild annual quilt show and the most recent challenge quilt I entered was for the um, non-patch challenge sponsored by American Patchwork and Quilting. Um, Yay! So my quilt mustard stain um, received third place. Oh that's fabulous! So yeah. it was one I had hand batiked and hand dyed using this char char chartreuse dye mm -hmm. and when it came out it wasn't anything close to the correct color it was more like mustard yellow so that's like that color yellow though it's like it's not a bad color um there's two things that i want to be sure we get in here but first tell me about this is on your october 12th um post where you're writing about your quilt called birds in the air from bald eagle to buzzard which just cracks me up but tell me a little bit about this quilt because you walk through and show the process for it um, well, what I did was it was um, a challenge quilt again, um, and it was issued by the Greenville Modern Quilt Guild, and we were given the theme of birds in the air, but it also had to include some of the um, um, elements of modern quilt design. So I just started um, with that and just I started doodling on graph paper and came up with a design, and then from there I usually take it to electric quilt where I can manipulate the blocks, um, change mm -hmm. the colors um, easily. Um, so that's how I um, came up with, with the design. And then I tried to incorporate um, into the quilting um, to, you know, to further emphasize the theme or you know, showcase the fabric um, in mm -hmm. some way. So that's how I quilted the bird names in, in the quilt. And you also sort of upsized a lot of it so that it I has did. a lot, yeah, it has a lot of drama that way. So um, exaggerated scale is one of the elements of modern quilting. So I incorporated that. And with that came with negative space since, you know, half of the quilt is, um, is, is all negative space. Um, mm -hmm. So, yes, it was fun to work on. Yeah, and I love the little pops of color because it's a lot of gray and white, um, but you have randomly placed pops. Was any of that mustard in there? That <laughs> No mustard in that one, I don't think. And I used oh. all um, the Hoffman Modern Batiks in that one. Okay, um, okay. Which were, um, which were fun to 
so I challenged myself to use all their fabrics in that one quilt, and it worked out great. So you make like a challenge upon a challenge. So you have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on another challenge right now. So I don't right. know why I just love them so much. <laughs> they're, well, they're great. They're great tools um, because they really make your creativity think differently than, you know, something else. So let's be, I want to be sure I get this in. Let's talk about your collaboration. Uh, you are part of a new book that's coming out. I am. Um, I am, um, have um, co-authored a book with um, Cheryl Bricky, um, who I met through the Greenville Modern Quilt Guild a couple years ago. Cheryl was just beginning to write patterns at the time in a meeting one day. She asked if I would take a look at a pattern she was writing for the Moda Bake Shop. Um, and so I'm not sure why she asked me. I know maybe she knew I had an accounting background and I like numbers. Um, but so one day she asked me if I wanted to write a book with her, and I said yes. So we put together a proposal and submitted it to Stash Books, an imprint of C&T Publishing, and they said yes. So as a matter of fact, this morning we finished the final edit and now um, our book, Modern Plus Sign Quilts, is off to be printed. So we're really excited. Yay, that is very exciting. Did you both design a certain number? Like, did you split up the number of quilts in there? Cheryl already had a lot of the ideas in mind. So most of the, the patterns are hers, but we split up all the work for the um, um, quilting and, you know, making the quilt. So we split uh -huh. all that up. Um, so that's how, that's how we did it. Wonderful. That is, I just, I just really love collaborations. You know, it brings a whole nother level, just like your challenges, brings a whole nother level to, to a book to have two authors. Um, right. so and when will that be? Of, go ahead. Go ahead. In um, February of 2018. So hopefully that'll be just in time for QuiltCon, which takes place in Pasadena, California um, this year. Very, ah. It's also available on pre-order right now through Amazon. Yeah. Super duper. So do do you travel at all to give talks? Um, yes, Teach? I do. I, I mainly give talks to a traditional guild and kind of expose them to modern quilting. Um, and I like to teach applique also. Super. Well, Paige, this has been... This has been so much fun. I've loved getting to know you a bit better. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Pat. This has been wonderful. Everybody can visit Paige at quiltedblooms.com. We'll be right back. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. To avoid mixing up various sized strips once cut, you can write the measurements on the strip selvages. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com.
Take an ultimate shop hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler. Available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and I am excited to have Lindsay Connor back. It's been a little while since we chatted. She is a super creative gal, and she's a fellow Baby Lock ambassador. And I had a chance to uh, basically have Lindsay hold my hand as we did machine embroidery uh, through a project that was a little bit more detailed than my skill set. <laughs> so, Lindsay, thank you for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. That was really fun. The um the common threads that we did out in St. Louis in June. Um, you know, mm-hmm. how many years have you been working with Baby Lock? Um, about three years. So I've yeah. been able to attend Common Threads three consecutive years and it's by far my highlight of the year every time yeah. I get to go. Yeah, because, you know, we don't get to chat so much at the trade shows. It's harder. You're trying to see a zillion people. But there, it's a much smaller yeah. group. We have something in common. Um, what, what Baby Lock machines do you use yourself? Um, I am really so fortunate to be able to sew with the Destiny 2. And that is my go-to machine for sewing or quilting. Um, it also does embroidery, which we got to try out at the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm doing free motion quilting, I love to use something with a little bit of a wider throat. So I mm-hmm. like a mid-arm machine. So I use the TR2 from yeah. Baby Lock. So yeah. and do, those and are do perfect you take, for me. Do you take one with you traveling? Do you have a smaller one? Because you're the Destiny 2 does not travel very well. She's a big Yeah, girl. it's really heavy. I tried to yeah. take it to my friend's house <laughs> to sew curtains, and it, oh. it was a workout. <laughs> um, but the Baby Lock Presto is a nice, uh, tiny size machine that's good to take to a retreat. Ah, that's perfect. Now, I have, to, I have to play on that one. I haven't done that yet. Um, yeah. You know, you and I were talking in, uh, prior, Lindsay, and I said, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, something we got to experience together when we went uh, in St. Louis there to this really fabulous um clothing designer incubator that baby lock mm-hmm. supports uh and it's called the st louis fashion fund did you know much about it before we got there no other than watching project runway i mean this mm-hmm. was the most fashionable experience i have ever had <laughs> so it was really amazing um we basically got to visit this fashion incubator called the Fashion Fund. And I think at the time uh, they had an inaugural class of four to six designers. Mm-hmm. And so a few of those were there at the event and we got to see their design on mannequins and on racks. And they were fabulous, um, very inspiring, I think, to be around other creative people. Um, yeah. And I think that their workspace was so bright and vibrant and creative and so just being in that very space was fun thanks for all it was it was like a two-story they for those who don't realize what or or, or aren't familiar with an incubator is basically they won like a scholarship for their business Mm -hmm. these are all business people already they're all they're all people who are already designing and selling their work and they were given this scholarship 
for a better term, to come and work together in St. Louis in this building um, and, and, and get like mentoring to make their business go forward. And I think, Lindsay, one of the things is having an inspiring space. What do you think? Yeah, so true. I mean, Baby Lock works with the Fashion Fund and they can provide them with these amazing machines. But the space itself is uh, downtown. It's got these huge windows. It's very bright. And I think working in the same space with other creative people is always Mm -hmm. fun. And that's one of the fun things about being at Common Threads, too. Right. That we got to actually team up. Like I worked with you on the one project. I worked with yeah. other people on a different project. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the part where they had this big second floor that was like an open sewing retreat area stocked to the gills. I was so envious. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you could just look over over the balcony and just have an entire other space to work in with multiple office spaces and a kitchen mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just look out and see the city. And uh, you could see, I think it was right next door to the St. Louis City Museum, which is a really yes. wacky museum uh, with some cool uh, airplanes and fire trucks and things that actually suspend from the building. So, right. um, yeah, it's right next to where everything's happening. Yeah. Well, I was really um I was really happy to attend the first one. You know, when you attend the first of anything, you have no clue what to expect. So, mm-hmm. next time I'll I'll know more about what's going on. It's like For sure. <laughs> Yeah. So, I want to talk about charity projects because one of the things we did at at the Common Le- uh, Common Threads with Baby Lock is mm-hmm. that they always run a charity type project for the designers and business people we sew on. But you have some that you do um, yourself that you host and run. Can, tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I when I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, my quilt guild there was actually doing a sew-along for the local uh, Vanderbilt Hospital, and they would sew these tiny smocks for NICU babies. Um, And for those that don't know, um, when babies are born premature and they're admitted to the NICU, you really can't clothe them in normal clothes um, because of the wires and cords. Uh, So somebody invented a pattern. A few people have made it a different pattern for a smock that velcros over them and it's something that's really special that parents who are going through this stressful time with their new baby can close their baby and just feel like they have something handmade to put on them and it just kind of is something peaceful during a really stressful time and so our guild was sewing these and so I got to sew some with them and then at the time, I was writing regularly for the Craftsy quilting blog, and I thought, hey, maybe I could just put it out there and see if other people want to sew them and send them to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and it kind of blew up. Um, <laughs> we, Our guild was able to sew about 40 if we got together mm-hmm. on a Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. But then that first year, we had a couple hundred, and then the next year, we had a thousand. And, um, so really we've gotten into a situation where we had too many smocks. So we've split it up now where we're encouraging people to donate locally. Oh, or yeah. we have a few people that will collect for a certain hospital. And those are mm-hmm. different places across the U S. 
So I organized that through a Facebook group, and um, we just had a fun giveaway for some Ann Kelly fabric. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we just have fun in there, and we're encouraging each other. Uh, when people sew them, we like to, you know, comment and just share. Uh, doing something positive because there's so much that's not positive going on in the world that I just love being involved with a crafty community where people can share the love. What is the name of the group at Facebook so they can search it? Um, It is called NICU, N-I-C-U, Mocks, Charity Go Along. Okay, so that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was pronounced like that. Sometimes acronyms, I never say them as oh, yeah. words. And I see you. Yeah, and I see you. Oh. Okay, so everybody can check that out and if they want to make these. Now, is there a particular just before we leave that topic, is there a particular type of fabric that is preferred over something else? Is I mean, quilters have a lot of regular quilting cotton. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, you can use regular quilting cotton, and then we recommend a soft flannel for the inside. Um, okay. And they can also be made to be reversible. Um, so once you join the group, you'll see a link for a free pattern that you can download, and then they'll give you all the details. Okay. All right. Because I was thinking their little skins are, you know, they're going to be mm-hmm. sensitive. So, yeah, you want to wash all those fabrics in advance, too. Yep. So, yeah, yep. get a, nice and clean. Okay. So we were talking you and I a little bit about kind you know like quilts we might want to make and Mm -hmm. you told me sort of a funny what I think is a funny story that you know (laughs) your husband your husband likes to give you quilting suggestions which kind of cracked me up like things that you should design uh to make what (laughs) what are some of the ones he suggested um well we're actually on vacation together right now And so he just told me this week that I should make a quilt with dolphins jumping in and out of the waves. Um, And I thought, well, okay, that sounds great. But as a quilter, you have to think through how you're going to do all those things. And is it worth it? (laughs) Right. Um, Do you have a passion for that topic? That's like, (laughs) Yeah. He really is a music lover. And so he did encourage me to make a turntable record player quilt. And so I did one of those years ago. It was a huge applique uh, project, and I thought it turned out pretty cool. Um, And then if you're ever looking at an equalizer, which is where it shows you the sound frequency of, Mm -hmm. you know, you're listening to something on the radio, um, he said, I thought that would make a cool quilt. And I agreed with him. I thought that would make a great quilt. So years ago, I did make an equalizer pattern. Um, but these days the demands are getting a little bit too much. <laughs> Sometimes I think, I just don't know how I'm going to do that. Um, he recently told me I should make a fireplace quilt and I just wasn't that interested in that idea, but I did look it up and some other people have made those. Um, yeah. I really like to make, uh, simple, quick quilts for the most part. Mm-hmm. I have a little, um, toddler at home and so, at times, I just have bite-sized bits of time for sewing, and so my happy space is a quilt that I could make in a weekend. Ah. What is one of your favorites? Do you make one over and over by any chance? Do you have something you'd like to repeat just to make it? I, I don't. I, I do repeat the baby quilt size. I like to mm-hmm. do different riffs on baby quilts mm-hmm. um, recently, and lap quilts, and I do like sampler quilts. 
I've just worked up um, several sampler blocks and sampler quilts for a future book project I'm working on. And uh, yeah, I, I like all kinds of things. And I think as quilters, we evolve and, um, you know, I've had a chance this year to try a bit of applique and uh, paper piecing and, you know, you kind of grow interest in different things and it's fun to branch out and uh, just evolve your style. So are you doing um, some, like, embroidery then on these quilts at all since you're, um, you know, you have, we have this fancy machine we can use, has yeah. all this great stuff? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do. Um, with the Baby Lock Destiny 2, what's really neat is that you can scan in a design from your computer printer. So mm-hmm. I was able to make a home sweet home wall quilt and was able to put in my own um, outline of a font and applique that on top of a house, which I had printed off. Uh, you could do your own sketches. Mm-hmm. As long as it has an outline, you could applique it. Or if you wanted to do handwriting, I've you know seen people just scan it directly into your machine. There's a flatbed mm-hmm. scanner on the machine, and you can you know doodle. You can do your kids' drawings. I, I think the possibilities are really unlimited. So I'm excited to have a little bit more time this fall than I did this summer to sew and experiment and just play because there's so much you can do there. Yeah, one of the things that I was really fascinated about with that machine was that I could scan something right there. I'm sitting at the machine Mm -hmm. and I just have a piece of paper and you run the scanner. So that was, you showed me all that part. It was like, this is fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. And there are a lot of tutorials online that you can refer to. You know, you're not sure about how to design within the machine. Um, And there's a great online Facebook community just for that machine and people that Mm -hmm. own it. It's called Baby Lock Destiny Owners. And they are a great sharing community too. And they will help you and um, just to explore and learn and uh yeah it's That's... it's very fun well Lindsay, this has been great thanks for uh taking a few minutes during your vacation so i'll let you go back yes. <laughs> thanks for having me on it's a pleasure as always okay you can visit Lindsay at lindsaysos.com we'll be right back Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Press and seal can be used to hold pieced units in place before sewing together. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan. 
a quilter's table. We all have one, right? So you can relate to my next guest. Uh, Debbie Jeske is a wonderful writer, and she's been quilting for quite a long time. Uh, she's another person that I discovered that I was so excited to read about her processes and different ways she thinks about things uh, in her writings and her glorious set of, um, you know, lists of quilts that she's made. I love your quilts, Debbie. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Pat. I really appreciate you having me on the show today. You know, you told me you started quilting back in 87. Um, Did you think you'd still be quilting now? Oh, dear. I don't think I ever really thought about that, but I don't remember ever considering giving it up. Um, When I started, I was a young mom, so I didn't have a whole lot of time to do it. And um, fast forward, you know, quite a few years, I have a little more time and, you know, I enjoyed as much as I ever did. You know, you st- the quilting that you probably did in 87 doesn't look anything like the quilting you're doing now. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> How did you transition? Your quilts are much more modern, um, very much like pages or modern quilts, you know, that aesthetic. How did you discover that? Well, in about 2010 or so, I'd been quilting for quite a long time, as you say, very traditional, and I discovered quilt quilt blogs online, and that just made my quilting world so much bigger, and I think it was exactly the same year that I attended a trunk show with Jackie Gehring, and um, that changed everything for me. Uh, I was introduced to modern quilting, seeing her quilts, and saw things that I never knew existed, so... Um, that was the changing point right there. Yeah. You know, it, I, I love how sometimes we see a piece and we're like, you know, this is what my thought process was, Debbie. I was like, I want to know how people think like that. You know, when you're, <laughs> you know, when you're doing something traditional, you think differently if you're doing something more improvisational. How did you go about learning to quilt like that? Oh, I think um, following blogs of quilters that I admired (laughs) that did work like that, Mm -hmm. Um, joining a bee back in the day of Flickr bees. Um, There were Mm -hmm. bees that were trying to do a little more modern things, and so I got involved that way. And just really by exploring it and just, you know, walking up to my own sewing table and, and trying things I'd seen online. So when did you start writing about your work? prior to to exploring the modern and becoming you know that that style or had you been writing already um well I started my blog I think it was like nearly seven years ago so okay um it was happening around the same time I think it was after I saw that trunk show that I started my blog just as a way to become you know more active in the online quilting community yeah yeah then and I think that there was a point um that more people wrote just about their journey. You know, they wrote online, and you uh-huh. still find that. But but now there's other places you can share your pictures, so it doesn't happen maybe quite as much. Um, you know, I yeah, I think about- I'm one of those diehard bloggers. I really still love to <laughs> blog. So even though you know I'm on Instagram and here and there, you know, blogging feels kind of like my truest creative self. So um, you know. Obviously, I'm able to share more there than I am on some of the other social media avenues. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. It's like I can't tell my yeah. story as well because mm-hmm. you 
you build a sequence with your pictures and your words and you tell a story and it's not possible to do that effectively with one photo. Um, of course, of course. Yeah. I would like you to tell me about your, a bit about your process because one of the things that you mentioned to me was that you prefer no deadlines. Uh, how does that work? Well, <laughs> I don't know I that think, world. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm beginning to know it less, but um, I just find it's a really good creator space when I can just um, pull some fabric, grab my rotary cutter, and, you know, no real deadline guidelines, no real purpose other than uh, to work with some idea I might have in my head. Um, Sometimes I work with a shape or a technique I want to try, and I just, you know, like to explore and see where it takes me. And obviously, sometimes those projects need to hang out on the design wall for a while, and you know, until I somehow feel what I want to do next. But it's um, it's not a place I ever really thought I would be as a traditional quilter. And for a long time, I I was scared of it, and you know, didn't really get it whatsoever. But that's mm-hmm. kind of where I find myself creating, you know, to my heart's mm-hmm. content right now. And how do sew-alongs, you, do, you like sew-alongs, I like them too, so I kind of get that, but how do you find that inspires your work? Oh, just the the community. Um, it, I've done sew-alongs before through my blog, you know, in years past, and that was really lovely, and back in the Flickr days, but mm-hmm. just, I think it was a year and a half ago or so, um, people on Instagram just really wanted me to do a sew-along on a particular technique, and and that just kind of blew me away. I didn't really know how that would happen. But gee whiz, it, it really does. And having all these people that are sewing along with you um, day to day and showing their work, it, it's just really, really fun. I still really love it. So tell everybody how that works, because some people aren't really on Instagram or don't use it that way. How do you use it for sew along? Um, I I try and make as concise uh tutorial as I can so maybe I would have a a longer tutorial on the blog but um, now that you can share several pictures in one Mm -hmm. post um, on the last one I was able to you know share different steps and or uh, I think the previous one I shared a step a day so every Mm -hmm. day come back and you'll see the next step in the project Mm -hmm. does that kind of make sense yeah right right so then you use a hashtag to Yes, definitely a hashtag, crosscut quilt along. Um, That was the first one I did. And I think last time this summer it was improv stripes quilt along. So, yeah, everyone tags that. And so you can follow along there, too, and see what people are doing. I still look back on on those all the time. And, you know, so I don't miss any of the finishes and the progress of the participants. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different way of thinking than having Mm -hmm. sort of one big place where everything's there at once. It's once you do the hashtag, then it's kind of similar, like looking through a page of pictures. They're all for the same project. Yeah. And it helps you find it because the way Instagram works now, you may not always see, you know, everything that's posted from the people that you follow. So the hashtag really helps, you know, have one place where you can go to find, you know, everybody's work. You know, you write a lot of really nice articles about your process, and um, and sometimes you talk about things that are, you know, like how you think about the, how you think about the process. You put that into it. What what prompts those types of writings for you? Well, I really love sharing my projects and all the nitty gritty, the thread, and everything else, but. 
there's something in me that just feels compelled to occasionally write about the emotions that tie, is tied up in our quilting. You know, the excitement of giving a pattern a new twist and making it our own, um, the joy in, creative, in creating something really big and beautiful, and even the grief that might have been expressed in a quilt made during a particularly difficult time. Um, th- those things maybe non-quilters don't realize that we feel about our work or can feel about our work, and I think that's probably true of other artists and makers, too. There's more to it than just thread and fabric. Um, a lot of emotion and feelings and, you know, camaraderie is all tied up in in what we make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a group also that you meet with in person? Yeah, yeah. I'm a member of the Seattle Modern Quilt Guild, so um, I see those people at least once a month. And we keep in touch on Instagram, too. But, yes, I love to, to be with them. Yeah. You can touch them. Because real yes, people. Yes, I can. <laughs> and that's really wonderful. And yeah. I have friends that I sew with on a, you know, semi-regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, sewing, sewing and talking quilting with real people, you know, in, face-to-face. That's, that's an awesome thing. Yeah. So were you a writer in your, in your previous life? Um, because your writing is very nice. Well, thank you. No, actually, I wasn't. I'm, but I really appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Did what? What did you do? Tell everybody. <laughs> um. Uh. I've been a baker. I was that for yeah. several years. Um. Almost a decade. Uh. Before that, I was a computer programmer. Yeah. And currently, the last twenty or so years, I've been um, an administrative assistant. Cool. So I do spend a lot of time writing, but. Yeah. You know, the blog, that that's more personal. Yeah, right, right, right. So you have, yeah, I'm, I coded too, so I know it's a different kind of writing. Yay. <laughs> it is, Which, it is. <laughs> you don't need all the letters when you write that, all the words, you drop them out. People tell me you're missing exactly. words. Shorthand, like, yeah. Right, yeah, you don't need those. Uh, <laughs> so what is your current new color combination that you're playing around with? Okay, well, I'm looking at it right now, and to be perfectly honest, I have the fabric, but I haven't done anything with it yet, but I was inspired by my desk calendar at work a couple months ago, and there's this greeny teal and yellow that um, were on that calendar, and I just was so smitten with it every day, and so I've hunted down fabric that I think is pretty darn close. It's Kona Everglade and Painter's Palette Lemon Ice. And um, I just love this teal and yellow together. So I, I'm trying, I'm mulling over what to do with it. But um, you're you're bound to see it in my feed before too long. <laughs> You'll have to cut it soon. You'll just have to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm anxious to do that. It just, I just don't know yet what I want to do. Yeah. When you, when you get ready to cut it, Debbie, what, will you sketch something first? Will you find something mm-hmm. that you're going to sort of rift off of it? No, I, I don't sketch much. I mean, I love that idea, and I've tried it, but I don't. Usually, I've just got something in my head, you know, something I've seen or something new I want to try. No, I usually just start cutting and sewing and, you know, seeing seeing how it feels. Yeah. So, oh, you know, of course, I, I follow a pattern now and then, but, you know, in general, it's just cutting and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. And what happens, what do you personally do when you finish a quilt? Oh, I, I love a good photo shoot, and um, that's the one last step of a quilt quilt process to me. 
Um, a quilt is done when I photographed it and shared it on my blog and social media. Um, my husband's a real good helper, and we travel around town just trying to find fun places to take pictures of my finished quilt. That is awesome. So you're just like you just enlist him and go, okay, we're going for a photo shoot, and off you exactly. go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need. I need to expand out past the clothesline in my backyard. I'm always like, okay, let's run out here and take a picture. At least it's outside. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's not always easy finding a good spot. You know, either the quilt's too big to hold or, you know, you kind of got to look for some place where you can clip it up or pin it up. But um, we try real hard, and, and we have a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, and people can go to a quilter's table, and on your tab uh, bar at the top, you've got uh, your quilts from each year, and you can see all the beautiful uh, photo shoots Debbie has done. I'm scrolling them while you're telling me about them. So well, thank you. I'm, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need to find that kind of a place. So where is those? <laughs> <That's-> yeah. <laughs> so do you still bake? Because I love good baking. I do bake, um, but not half as much as I used to. I mean, I was, I used to be as obsessed in the kitchen as I am now with my sewing. And so I've really gotten lax with that. But, you know, I do love homemade and handmade. There's no denying that. But, um, anyway. And you, and everybody should go to your site to sign up for your newsletter, right? That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's called um, The Scrap Basket with a little byline, more from a quilter's table. And I share highlights from the blog, quilt roundups, showcasing lots of makers, and oodles of links to quilt-related articles and tutorials and such that I think they might be interested in. Um, That's probably the most popular section of the newsletter. It's called Worth a Read. And I really try and make the newsletter more about the community than me and, you know, highlighting the work of other makers. I just find a lot of joy in that. Thank you, Debbie. This has been fun. Thanks so much, Pat. Appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for Hi, all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Thank you.